sometimes we're kind of happy to see somebody at the door and sometimes we're not. Today's message is going to explore that a little bit. It is good to be back here to bring greetings from first trips with Reverend in Harrisburg in the Allison Hill section of Harrisburg, where there's a lot going on. There are a lot of people coming in and out of the doors. There are a lot of trials, and there's a lot of joy. I've been away seven months. It's been a time of much enrichment. It's been a time of seeing God at work in the midst of challenges. The congregation still is challenged with minimal leadership because of illnesses, because of departures, because of life. I ask that you would continue to lift them in prayer. If you have a chance to go visit them during their time of worship, they would welcome you with open arms. They worship on Friday mornings, right before they give out food for the food bank. It was our joy to have um, PB&J camp, hosted by Penny and Bonnie, come and visit on a Friday morning and perform with the grandkids. That was joyful. I understand that somebody else from Lancaster Church of the Brethren visited on Friday morning of this past week, also to enjoy the multicultural worship that is at First Church. Friday morning services are primarily um, Hispanic-oriented, Latino, Spanish language, and gospel. Sunday mornings, there are two services just like here. There's an early service that is more traditional, and there's a later contemporary service that mixes a variety of music. I was privileged to be part of all of that, to help coordinate, to plan. It was interesting to come in here and see slides up on the, on the TV and say, I didn't do those because I was doing those up at, at First Church. I served as both a minister of music and their admin assistant and was working full time. The immersion in that environment brought so many blessings. I encourage you, if you have the chance, to go somewhere locally to see how people worship differently yet the same. Please do it. Your joy will overflow. As I begin this message based on Paul's words to the Colossians, I'm aware that you've just come through studying Ephesians, another one of Paul's prison letters. At the beginning here, I would like to acknowledge gratitude to my son, Noah, who helped uh, and collaborated with me on this message that I delivered a few years ago and I have updated and tweaked for today. Imagine yourself getting ready to pick up a friend, whether for work or for a party or whatever it may be. You're sitting in your car, and in this day and age, you take out your phone and you text them to let them know you've arrived. No response. You're a little frustrated, but you decide to actually dial their number and try to call them. No response. Now you're a little bit annoyed. You decide to get out of your car and go ring the doorbell. No response. Now you're on edge. Where could they be? You hit the doorbell three times in a row. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. That's gotta get their attention. No response. 
You are now not only annoyed, but you're angry to the point of demand. You knock forcefully on the door, insisting they answer. Now imagine, you're the one on the inside. Your cell phone battery is nearly dead, and you're so concerned it'll die that you have it on airplane mode. This means you will not receive calls or texts in an effort to conserve your battery. Your neighbors have been ding-donged from your house. That means ringing the doorbell and disappearing because they've been wanting to mess with you. So you ignore the doorbell. Finally, you hear knocking and you remember. You were supposed to be getting picked up for work. You quickly rush to the door, open it, and find your friend is steaming. All you can manage is a simple, oops. If you were to put yourself in this situation, which side of the door would you be on? Each of you has a set of life circumstances. In the opening of the door, those sets of circumstances overlap. Both you and your friend have an opportunity to speak. Will you speak about your excuses and needs? Or will you speak to your friend's needs? Will you be critical and self-seeking? Or will you speak words of understanding? Are you thinking the best or the worst? How you approach and respond to one another will provide a glimpse into the condition of your hearts. Brennan Manning, late author of the Ragamuffin Gospel and Ruthless Trust, asserts that in every situation, we are given the option to speak life or to speak death. He further emphasizes that there is no gray area. In little things and big things, how we respond either builds up or tears down. We are called to construction, not demolition. In writing to the Colossian church, Paul addresses both the heart and the actions of the believers. Today's passage, in particular, highlights the points Paul wants his hearers to remember. With action-oriented words, Paul moves his listeners from inward to outward responses. He begins with the exhortation, devote yourselves to prayer. Spend time in prayer. Be diligent in praying. Make it as important as breathing in your life. Jesus, the very Son of God, was purposeful in spending time with the Father. He wanted to be tuned in to Father's will. He needed strength and conviction to follow that will. He didn't take his connection to God for granted. Likewise, we must not take our connection for granted. And not just our individual connection with God, but also our communal connection as the body of Christ with God. We must come together in prayer as well. 
Paul says, pray, be watchful, be thankful. Look for those things in your life which are blessings from God. At Hashford First, we like to say, God is good all the time. And you say, all the time, God is good. Now that you know what to do, I'm going to say it again. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Now, let's do it like we really mean it. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Shouldn't we be finding things that cause us to praise God? If God is present in Emmanuel, shouldn't we be thanking God for Jesus, the human representation of God with us? As we spend time in prayer, we commune with our Creator, our Redeemer, our Savior, and the author of love. In prayer, we tap into our source of life and love. Be alert. Be watchful for signs of life and love along the way. Notice when someone looks you in the eye and says, Good morning. Notice when the sun comes up each day, even if it's hidden by the clouds. Notice the birds singing the songs they were given to sing. Notice the parent who holds the child's hand. Notice the helpers. Notice the signs of love and care around you and in your life. Offer thanksgiving to God. In prayer, we are reminded of God's grace and mercy in our daily lives and moments. We are reminded of the gifts we have received in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As we pray, we are also reminded of those beyond ourselves. Paul asks that the Colossians remember him in prayer. Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel. Paul made a choice to preach, even though he knew he would likely end up in prison. None of us here today is in a prison like Paul was in. However, we may still feel trapped, confined, and isolated. Life can be hard. You may be trapped by the choices of your family, like Joseph. You may be in bondage to temptation, like David. You may be a victim of your pride, like Samson. You may be burdened by overanalysis, like Thomas. You may be paralyzed with insecurity, like Moses. You may be trapped by your job, like Zacchaeus. You may be stuck in grief like Mary and Martha after the death of their brother Lazarus. You may be isolated from others like Jesus in the desert and on the cross. I am sure Paul must have felt trapped, confined, and isolated. However, notice his prayer request. He doesn't say, get me out of here. He doesn't say, rescue me. He doesn't say, fix this. He does not ask for an open door to escape. Rather, he accepts the situation as potential opportunity to proclaim the mystery of Christ. 
In fact, his prayer request itself is a mystery. Why wouldn't he ask for prayer to be released from prison? Isn't that what every prisoner wants? Didn't Christ come to set the prisoner free? Paul, who has learned to be content in all things, is tuned in to his calling to preach the mystery of Christ. What then is this mystery of Christ that so compels Paul to preach? Paul writes at the beginning of his letter to the Colossians, God decided to let his people know this rich and glorious secret which he has for all people. The secret is Christ himself, who is in you. He is our only hope for glory. Let me remind you that Paul did not know the mystery of Christ until his encounter on the Damascus Road. At that point in time, Paul, who was still called Saul, was confronted with his actions of destruction, the persecution of those who followed Jesus Christ. In those moments on the road, he heard the Lord speaking to him. And in faith, he surrendered his earthly position and power. He received his new name, Paul. His mission became to use his gifts to build up the kingdom of God here on earth. Rather than preaching exclusion by bloodline, Paul preached inclusion by the blood of Christ. He used his words to tell anyone who would listen about Jesus. Paul knew that no matter where he was, there was an opportunity to preach the good news. Does this mean that Paul had it easy? Certainly not. He writes of missing loved ones, of being in chains, of being physically beaten, of ill health. Paul wanted to be out of prison. Paul wanted to see those whom he loved. He was separated from them. Paul prayed for physical healing for the thorn in his side. The answer was no. Life for Paul was hard. However, despite hardships, Paul knew to press on in proclaiming the mystery of Christ. He was so changed by Jesus that he wanted his whole being to communicate that. His request for prayer then followed suit. Paul, despite being in prison, requested prayer for an open door for proclamation, not for escape. Paul wanted to share the message clearly, and he also wanted the Colossians to be mindful of the potential opportunities for delivering the message. He understood that how we interact with others can be a great testimony to others. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul was not emphasizing exclusion with the use of the word outsiders. In fact, he was actually recognizing that not all were Christians. Not all knew the mystery of Christ. 
take direction regarding conduct so that more would be included. What if we saw our set of difficult circumstances, our jail, per se, as an opportunity to present the gospel? What if in the story of our lives as individuals and as community, we recognize the presence of hope? And what if we shared that hope? What if when we talk about our circumstances, we are honest, yet proclaim hope in the God of the impossible? <laughs> Paul is not writing about a project here. He's not writing about a program. He is writing about people and relationships. He is writing about allowing an adverse situation to become an opportunity for the message of Jesus to be shared. The message that there is an enduring hope that moves us through our journey. This message is not a short one or two paragraph story. Too often, we want our story and other stories to be summed up in a three-point format, beginning, middle, end. In fact, there are many stories within a person's story. There are many stories within a community's story. And there are many stories within humanity's story. In all these stories, we must remember how God has worked and continues to work in our lives. The psalmist writes, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. In another place, the psalmist writes, they remembered that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. Life with Jesus is about paragraphs within chapters, within books, within the greatest story. So, what's your story? How have you noticed God at work in your life? Have you shared your story or stories with anyone? Have you listened to any stories lately? We live in a society that is increasingly disconnected by a lack of face-to-face -face encounters and a lack of doing life together. Consider the early church described in Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They gathered together. Here are some more what ifs. What if we came together inside the body of Christ before seeking to proclaim to outsiders something we aren't yet living? What if we were to practice with one another? Is there an opportunity to be trusted with someone's story? Is there an opportunity to enter into someone's story right here in the body of Christ? Can we be vulnerable right here? Are we safe places for one another? If we can't be safe places here inside the body of Christ, then outsiders will likely not hear any proclamation from us because we lack integrity. 
How might we create opportunities to know one another's stories? Years ago, I was in a church where Wednesday night was called Telling Our Stories. And each week it was a time where somebody in the congregation had been asked to share their story and their testimony and how God has worked in their lives, had worked in their lives, was currently working in their lives. Yes, it was a testimony time, but it was also a time of dialoguing with one another, of asking questions, of saying, yeah, I went through that too. It was a time for that speaker to allow themselves to be vulnerable as they shared their stories. <clears throat> I wonder how many of us would be willing to share our story? How many of us would be willing to listen? Just listen. That particular series of Wednesday nights in that church for the adults became the highest attended Wednesday night. We overflowed the room and were not able to fit everybody in. We had people sitting in the hallway right outside the room because people are hungry to hear real-life stories that include Christ's redemption moments. What if... When we listen, we hear what Jesus hears. When we look, we see what Jesus sees. What if when we respond, others see and hear Jesus? Lastly, what if when we encounter people, insiders or outsiders, we remember the mystery of Christ? We remember the power of God to renew and redeem. We remember that we are each broken vessels through which the light and love of God streams. We remember our hope and that we would desire it for everybody. We are called to make the most of opportunities when we enter into somebody's story, that place where our lives overlap with theirs. You and I are called to be people that bring the hope of Jesus into the storyline. We are called to recognize that we all go through something. We all need someone to walk with us. We all can rely on Jesus. Jesus knows about difficult. Jesus also knows about new life. Jesus knows your story. Jesus knows my story. Jesus knows us and loves us passionately. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live lives that proclaim his presence, his compassion, his endurance, his forgiveness, and his victory. That's a lot of grace with a dash of salt. <laughs> Do you hear that? Opportunity is knocking. It's time to answer the door. <laughs>